Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. You ready for the word? Um, well, my wife and I, we've had kind of a busy couple of weeks. Um, for those of you who know, we just welcomed our new baby into the family. This is, that's Peter, Peter Douglas. Um, Peter Douglas, Douglas was my dad's name, it's my middle name, so now you all know my middle name. And uh, he's perfect, so he might be Jesus coming for the second time, because he's <laughs> perfect. So we did a good job. Um, no, but... We absolutely love them. Mom's healthy. Baby's healthy. I just wanted to introduce you guys, and we are just um, in love with this little boy. So uh, real quick, if you don't know us, my wife and I, we are the pastors to The Exchange. If you are between the ages of 18 and 25, we'd love to have you guys come hang out with us. I actually have a slide here. Um, you can text right now The Exchange to that number, and it'll, instead of me telling you all the stuff that's going on, that will just update you on all the things going on. So if you want to be a part of The Exchange, 18 to 25, come hang out with us. It's going to be awesome. Sound good? Great. James 4. Turn your Bibles, your phones, whatever you got to James 4. Anyone bring an iPad? No? Okay. I like taking notes on an iPad. I'm weird, though. Uh, James 4. James, a little bit about James. We've been in this series of, actually, before I do that, we've been in a series about purpose. This is important. Purpose is important, right? Purpose is important. In Pastor Matt, the first week, preached an amazing message on finding and believing your purpose. And then two weeks ago, or maybe three, no, two weeks ago, Pastor Chris preached a message on fulfilling your purpose, and then last week he preached a message on interruptions to your purpose, and today we're going to talk about opposition to your purpose, and how to deal with opposition to your purpose. So James, there is a lot you can say about James, but in short, James is like the guy that never let you get away with anything. Like nothing. You're going into the movie theater. You're trying to snuggle snacks in, and he's like, hey, that guy right there, he's got snacks. And you're like, dude, who does that? James. <laughs> James does that. That's who does it. And James, the reason why I'm telling you this is not just to make a joke. It's actually important because he calls things out. He, he calls them like he sees them. And <laughs> I love saying it like that. He calls them like he sees it. And the thing about James is, in us today, when we read this passage, it might be challenging to you. But the Christian life involves challenge. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel challenged, not to sulk back and be discouraged or uncomfortable, but actually rise to the challenge. Meet the challenge where it's at. Are you on board? Great. So we're going to read the first seven verses of James 4. James starts off by saying this. What cause, oh, first of all, he's talking to the church. Just remember that when you're reading this, okay? He's talking to the church. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. He's talking to the church, okay? You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And even when you do ask, because you ask wrongly, or you don't, oh, sorry, and even when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. In other translations, it says pleasures. 
Again, talking to the church, verse 4, here it comes. You adulterous people. Man, he's calling out the snacks today. Do you know that friendship with the world is at being at odds with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This doesn't mean that you can't have friends that aren't Christians. I'll explain all that coming up here. Verse 5, he says, Or do you suppose it is... uh, to no purpose that the scripture says God yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made dwell in us. He loves you and he yearns jealously for you. Here's what James is saying up to this point in verse 5. He's saying everyone has struggled with aligning themselves with worldly passions instead of godly passions. He's being really inclusive to the church. He's like, man, like you're adulterous people. He's talking to the church. He's like, you have all messed up with this. But look at verse 6. This is where the rubber hits the road. Verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. But he gives more grace. Someone needs to hear this today. It doesn't matter what you've done, said, believed, people have said about you. There is still more grace for you here today. But he gives more grace. He's calling them adulterous people. And he says, but there's more grace. He goes on and says, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The title for today's message is Rebel Against Hell. Rebel Against Hell. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we stop right now at the top of the service. We clear our minds, clear our hearts, Lord. Let me focus on your son. Thank you for his life, for his death, and for his resurrection. And right now, I pray that you would start to to move in hearts, Lord. Soften hearts to receive your word, Jesus. I pray that as I speak, my words aren't my words, but they're yours, Jesus. Use me, Lord. We pray for colonial kids as they're raging back there, that that they have such a fun time and that they hear about the grace that is available to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we've been talking about purpose, where to get it, how to have it, how to live with it, what to do with it. And the main theme, I feel like, of this whole entire series is this. Every person has a purpose. If there's nothing else you leave here with today, know this. You have a purpose. Proverbs 16.4 says, the Lord has made everything. Say everything. Everything for its purpose. Everything. In other words... Nothing was made by accident. In other words, in other words, you're not made by accident. You have a purpose. And I don't want to go a Sunday without realizing that there might be people here today that feel hopeless. There's no better place for you to be than sitting in that chair right now. Hope is on the way. No matter what you've been through or how you feel about your purpose or your life or what people have said about your life, God's purpose remains unchanged in your life. I have uh, in my pocket here two quarters. And on the right, I have a quarter that is pristine, the perfect quarter. Here it is, guys. I found it. It's a, it's a quarter, right? And in this hand, I have a quarter that has been through it. Shannon actually found this quarter, and she said when she found it, she went to go pick it up thinking it was a bottle cap, and she was cleaning up trash. (laughs) But here's the thing. How much is this quarter worth? How much is this quarter worth? 
Here, it's the same for your life. Every single thing that you've been through, good, bad, what people might say about you, the dirt that you feel is on your life, can I encourage you? You are still worth what the creator said you were worth, <laughs> period. Because some, someone somewhere made these quarters. And when they made these quarters, they said, this is worth 25 cents. There's nothing you can do to change that. And for your life, when God created you, at the beginning of, before, it says before the earth's foundations, before everything was here, he gave you a purpose. And he says, you know what? This is, insert your name here's purpose. And there's nothing that can change this. There is more grace. You have a purpose. And this is important to remind ourselves, because I don't know about you, I seem to forget this all the time. Right? Like, we're fine. We're going throughout our Sunday. Everything's going great. We just had this massive revelation at church. Jimothy didn't cry during the altar call. Things are going great. You get in the car, you drive home, you hit a nail, all of a sudden your tires pop, you walk inside, and you realize that the AC's out, and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> right? You forget everything that just happened at church, and all of a sudden, all you're worried about is what's going on right here. Right? It happens to us all, and this is what James is addressing with the church. Look at this. When he is talking to the church, what he's saying is, hey, you guys want everything to be pleasurable, like Chick-fil-A in Publix, always a pleasure. But he's like, newsflash, things get hard. And the discouraging but encouraging truth today is everyone who is on mission will find opposition. If you're on mission, there will be opposition. But the opposition has no say in your mission, your purpose, your value, the only one who can touch that is Jesus, the creator. But that doesn't take away from the fact that today we still have opposition. So today I want to jump in and tackle what do we do with opposition? What, how do we ha- or what do we do with the opposition on mission? How do we remain motivated in our purpose? Or in other words, how do we rebel against hell? not just a catchy phrase. I heard someone once say that the Christian life is a glorious rebellion against the darkness. So beautiful. That's what we're doing. To fight opposition is rebelling against hell. The first thing we can do with opposition when we're going through it is this. You ready? Release. Take a deep breath in. I love that sound. Take a deep breath out. We live in a world that is desperate for a release. The biggest opposition other than the enemy ourselves, or is ourselves, other than the enemy. I feel like the biggest opposition that we come up against, and everyone knows this. Think about it. The biggest thing that gets in the way is usually me. <laughs> James actually knew this, and he said in James 4.1, what causes quarrels and fights around, around you? So external opposition, right? What causes this stuff? He says, is it not that it is your passions that are at war within you? He's like, when it seems like everybody else, probably yourself. (laughs) When it seems like everybody else, the problem is yourself. So what do we do with ourselves? And I love how James doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't, the thing about James is he points things out, but he always gives the remedy. Like, Like Pastor Chris says, the antidote. He doesn't say like, You guys are adulterous people. See you later. (laughs) Right? How, what kind of pastor would do that? No, he actually gives us the antidote, and it's found in James 4, 7. He says this, 
the first thing he says that is encouraging them is submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Say submit. How do we tame the stress in our life? Submission. How do we cure anxiety in our life? Submission. How do we bring peace into our lives? Can I encourage you? It's through submission. Because when we submit to God, what we are, and what we are doing is we are taking ourselves and putting it under Jesus' authority and saying, you know what? I say that your name is above all names, but not just saying that, God. You are above everything in my life, Lord. You are first. You are first. Do whatever you want to do. That is true submission. It's time we need, it's time to let go. It's time for us to let go. We need submission. But it be, has become, over the past couple of years, a dirty word in the Christian world. People don't like it. I was talking to a young man not too long ago, and I asked the question, what is holding you back? What's holding you back? It's a challenging question. And he says, I don't want to submit, or I'm scared to submit, because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. But we do. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Listen to this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans are good and not for disaster. Come on, somebody, to give you a future and a hope. We usually stop there, but let's keep reading. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look to me wholeheartedly, in other words, if you submit to me, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I'll end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. In other words, you will be released. Submit to me and you will be released. He has plans for your life. So how do we fight opposition on mission? It's through submission. The definition, the word of submission, we kind of touched on it. The biblical definition of submission is putting uh, something of authority over you and letting it take complete control, full control. Think about, um, I don't know if you guys went to college. Some of you probably did. When you submitted your final exam in college, when you submit that final exam and you're done, what do you do? Oh, yeah, someone says sleep. Exactly. You're like, ah. Oh. You're like, I'm done. You know what I mean? I've submitted this. I'm done. But for some reason, when we submit in the Christian life, as soon as we say, God, have it all, we go, okay, now what? What's next, God? Now what do you want me to do? Now, now what's next? I think about the, the rich young ruler. That was his problem. He shows up. He's like, I want eternal life. He's like, do these things. And what he was getting at is being full submission. He's like, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. And it gets to the point where God literally says, then sell everything and come follow me. In other words, put me first in your life. And what does he do? He walks away. Man, it's hard to submit sometimes, but it is so powerful. When you submit, you're done. Then Christ takes over. True godly submission in our lives means I'm done, Aaron's done, now it's Jesus through me. Let's look at the word. Are you guys ready for this? You guys are not ready for this. <laughs> this passage of scripture is like fire. Galatians 2, some of you know where I'm going. Galatians 2, 19 through 20. You ready for this? This is Paul speaking. He says, for when I tried to keep the law, in other words, when I tried to do the world things my own way, when I tried aligning with the world trying to white-knuckle it, 
What did it do? It condemned me. So what did Paul do? He says, I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements. I released so that I might live for God. Verse 20, listen to how he speaks about his life. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I'm done. It is no longer I who live. I'm done, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting or submitting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying, man, the best thing that I can do with my life is stop living it and let Jesus live it for me. How do we do that? Through submission. God, I praise you. You are first in my life. Have everything. It's about time we let ourselves go. It's time for release. Point two today. You ready? Still not ready. Okay. (laughs) Point two for us today is rebel. Rebel. You know what we are as Christians? We're a bunch of little rebels. That's what we are. We're like little Ewoks on the moon of Endor (laughs) with our big things of wood smashing the enemy's ATSTs. That's us. We're little rebels, and we're called to rebel against hell, to drive the enemy out of our lives. That's what we're called to do. Rebel against hell isn't actually just a catchy title. It's actually a commandment from James. Let's read it. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. We did that. Cool. We're good. Next section. You ready? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, when he says resist the devil, it's not like, devil, be, be away. Spray my anti-demon thing on you. That's not what he's doing. No, the word resist is the word antihistamine. Not antihistamine, it's antihistamine. It's a Greek word, and what it means is, can you guess? Rebel. It means to be in harsh opposition to, or in other words, rebel against. Full opposition to the enemy in our life. Not just a little bit like, no, I don't think I want the enemy in life. No, it is like full on like, you have no place in my life, enemy. You have no place. But the thing about rebelling is, is we have to make sure that the cause is right. The cause, we are not rebels without a cause. That is not who we are. Because if we're doing that, all of a sudden we make our faith about the enemy. We are rebels with a cause. First is submission. First is the kingdom. Jesus. And if something gets in the way between us and the kingdom, we take it out. You hearing me? I think about Jesus when he's talking to Peter. And Peter essentially is like, I'll never let you die. And Jesus literally looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, I'm moving forward. Get behind me. You have no place, no authority here in my life. You hearing me? We are called to cast out the enemy. But Jesus in the kingdom has to be first. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to get focused on anything other than Jesus. He's not like, I want you to worship me. He's just like anything else. Anything else other than Jesus, and he's happy. So we need to be dead set on Jesus is first, then out of that, everything else. You hearing me? I think it's kind of funny that God, just to drill this point into the ground, God didn't send Adam and Eve to the garden to kill snakes. That's not why they showed up. They didn't show up in like their Ghostbusters like uniforms and machetes cutting snakes' heads off. 
They, why did they go to the garden? They went there to glorify God and to live in relationship with him first. And I love that the enemy, it, he doesn't actually have authority in our lives. He doesn't. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've heard it. If he comes to do that, he can't do that. Luke 10, 19 through 20 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy. Or, sorry, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't, don't rejoice that you can kill the enemy. Rejoice that you're God's. That's first. So how do we do this? How do we actually rebel? When, it, when push comes to shove, how do we do this? I think Pastor Chris preached an amazing message on using the word to get the enemy out of your life. If you guys need to go listen to that message, it was last week's message. It's on YouTube. It's incredible. But in short, today, the rebel, rebel the word means to have a hard line against, hard opposition to. In other words, we need to get the stuff of the enemy out of our life. It's time to clean house. Pastor Bob puts it this way, don't let the enemy poop in your lawn. <laughs> don't let the enemy poop in your lawn. Get it out of here. When you see that, my wife and I, we live in like a big uh, circle, essentially, like a big circle. And the same people walk their dogs around every single day, right? They come back around every single day. When I see that chihuahua coming down towards my house, what I'm doing, I'm sitting out there and be like, in Jesus' name, you get out of here. I, I have an HOA and a president, Jesus, who says, you can't poop in my lawn. You go back the other way. So you do. But then what happens tomorrow? The dog comes back, starts walking around. You got to do it all over again. You know what? In the name of Jesus, you get out of here, you little chihuahua. Can't poop in my lawn. <laughs> James says it this way in James 5, just after what we've been reading. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. Set up the boundaries. This is mine that Jesus has given me. Enemy cannot touch this. What is yours? Have you set those boundaries up? I love the way Paul puts it in Ephesians. He says, try to discern what is pleasing to Lord or be submitted to God. In other words, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Get out of here. Exposing you for what it is. So how do we get the darkness out? The first thing I think is exposing it. We get to expose the darkness in our life. It's time to turn the lights on. Think about sexual immorality, exposing that. It's a spirit of darkness. It has no place in our lives, and the name of Jesus is greater. That's what it is. Get out of our lives. Then the second thing you do, get it out using scripture, just like Pastor Chris talked about. And the third thing, you ready? Get Jesus in. Think about a uh, cavity. What do you do? How do you take care of a cavity? You expose it. You get the decay out, and you fill it up. It's the same thing with our lives. We need to get Jesus into our lives. Let's get the enemy out of our lives. You with me? Point one, release. Point two, rebel. And finally today, the third point for us is rejoice. 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 This is truly one of the hardest things to do, though. Rejoicing in our opposition is so hard. When we came home from uh, the hospital with our new son, we walked into our house, and I realized it was a little warmer than usual. And I found out that our AC was broken. 
And I'm like, you know what I didn't do? Rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I went to work, and I found out that in one of our rooms, there was some standing water as well, and I traced that back to the wall, found a leak. Ripped out the drywall, found mold. Kept ripping out the drywall, found an ant infestation in the wall. Do you know what I didn't do? Praise Jesus. <laughs> Answer here, yes. But we're actually called to rejoice. It's so hard to, though. We're actually called to rejoice. This is how important it is to rejoice. The letter of James that we're reading right now, we've been reading in James chapter 4, right? James chapter 1, in the second verse, James, at the beginning of his chapter, is like, yo, I'm James. And then he says this. You ready? It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The first thing he said. So important. Could you imagine? I, th I think the first thing you say to a church is so important. But it wasn't just James who said this. Let's look at other verses. Romans 5, 3. You're not going to be able to write all these down, by the way. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Philippians 2, 17 to 18. Even though I am poured out as a drink offering, as a sacrificial offering for your faith, Paul's saying, even though I'm dying, I'm rejoicing. And then he says, likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says rejoice always. We're called to rejoice. So how do we do it? I have one more verse for you. Colossians 1.24. This is Paul. And he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking, Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is in the church. He's saying, when I'm at my ends, when I'm in opposition, when I'm struggling, I remind myself of Jesus. Because here's where we're going to land it today. If you have nothing else, you have Jesus. If you have nothing else, you have a Savior. If you have nothing else, you have purpose in Him. You have redemption you have the spirit of the living God. If you have nothing else, you have peace that passes understanding. It might not feel like it, but you have it. If you have nothing else, you have love that's been poured out for you. If you have nothing else, you have hosts, heavenly hosts right now cheering us on. If you have nothing else, you have a joy that will come in the morning. If you have nothing else, you have the bride of Christ, the church. If you have nothing else, you have Jesus. Sometimes we just need a reminder that we have so much in Christ so much in Jesus. It's like, oh, but it's just Jesus. It's like, no, it's Jesus. Yeah. Literally everything. Right. You know, today is my dad's birthday. And it's significant that I'm preaching on my day uh, today because my dad was a preacher. And he preached to do the Lord's work, but then to make money, he made furniture. That's what he did. He made beautiful pieces of furniture. And I grew up going into the garage with my dad all hours of the day, learning about how to make furniture. And it had been dormant for years and years and years. But just recently, I've started to pick it back up and to get used to it. And the thing I love about making furniture is that you take something that's so mundane and like doesn't, isn't worth a lot, and you make it priceless. We have a picture of some wood here. This is black walnut wood. 
it's called rough sawn wood because it's literally just like come out of the mill. And it's just, it's got, you can't see it very well here, but there's like nicks and all of, I'm just going to show you. All of this stuff is like half inch down grooves. It's not perfect. It's rough. If you look up at the top, you can see like a little jet out. The wood isn't worth much. It doesn't look like it's worth much, right? But the beautiful thing about it is if you take this wood and you spend time with it, you clean it up, you put it through a few saws and you take some time, you can make something that's absolutely beautiful and priceless. And the only difference between this and those pieces of wood, which these are the same pieces, is the blade. The blade and time. And the blade in our life can be opposition. And when you're in the middle of opposition, it can be hard. Sometimes it feels like you're losing a part of yourself. But can I encourage you, friend, God will never leave you like that. He's making you something into something beautiful. And the blade might be difficult in your life. The opposition might be hard. But if nothing else, we have a beautiful master craftsman with his hands on us, pushing us and guiding us through the blade. The most dangerous thing when you're making things in the wood shop, the most dangerous thing is when the wood resists the blade. When it resists the blade, something called kickback happens. That's how almost all crazy stuff, I'm not going to say all the words, happen in a shop is when the, resi- when the wood decides to resist the blade. And so I want to encourage you not to resist the blade in your life. Opposition's hard. It is. It's going to happen. But we can get through it through submission. God, I know you're right behind me and you're leading me through this. And you're before me and you're leading me through this. And you're with me and you're leading me through this. I submit to you, Jesus. I rebel against the enemy in my life. And I rejoice for what I'm going to be. Will you stand with me? You know, this is a big room. A lot of people in this room, especially at the 10 o'clock. And when you get a lot of people together like this, there's people going through real things, big oppositions. And I actually know that there's people in this room that are going through real things right now. And as I was preparing this, my heart kept going back to you guys, kept thinking about what it is that you guys are going through, some of you. And I, I just, my heart broke and I was like, I don't want you to feel like you're giving in or giving up. It's not time to give up yet. I feel like the word that the Lord put in my heart is don't give up, give in. Give in to what the Lord is doing. Stop resisting and embrace it. You hearing me? So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, we're gonna worship here in just a moment. But if that's you, This isn't just going to be worship. This is going to be surrender, submission, full-on submission, saying, God, you know what? I give up of all of the things, and I give in to you and what you're doing. Be my endurance. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in this room, the way that you're preparing hearts, Jesus, how you're preparing minds to receive what you have for us, God. Right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just rest on people in this room. 
the Holy Spirit, you start to minister to people's hearts in this place, Lord, where people feel like they're at their end. Jesus, we speak your grace and your life and your truth over their circumstance. Lord, the enemy must flee from this place, and we trust, Jesus, that you are first, that you are guiding us through this, and we give in to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.